Hello and welcome to Return to Regalia. I'm Una. And I'm Nathan again. Welcome back to the pod, Nate. Thank you. It's good to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Because you already answered the question of how you got into the series, I thought it might be fun to ask who your favorite character is because last episode I revealed that my favorite character is Merith. Nice. And John said that his favorite character is Rip Red. That is also my favorite character. Yeah. Yeah. I think you two are not alone in that. (laughs) I think everyone adores Rip Red. Care to expand on why? Um, oh man, I like that he's like, I feel like he embodies that trope of like, the mentor figure who's like, at first he's mean, but then he's nice, but he's still mean. He's just still (laughs) mean. And I really like that about him. Yeah, I also really like that. He's kind of like Hamish in Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, wow, just like, but she literally wrote Hunger Games, so that makes sense. Yeah, I always thought they had a very striking similarity. Rip Red would be an alcoholic if they had alcohol for rats. You are so right, actually. <laughs> Shrimp and cream sauce is his. <laughs> <laughs> That's his vice. Yes. Yeah. All right. So let's get right into chapter seven. Chapter 7 begins with Gregor thinking about how dark it is in the Underland compared to New York City, which always has streetlights and car headlights. He's laying in bed after dinner with the Underlanders. He considers relighting the oil lamp, but decides he'll need it to escape. He's too energized to sleep, so he lies awake in bed with boots and thinks about what Dulcet told him when he took another bath after dinner. When he asked how the palace has hot and cold running water, She said it's pumped from hot and cold springs, and the dirty water empties into the river beneath the palace that flows into the waterway. Gregor doesn't know what the waterway is, but he remembers Vicus mentioning that it has gateways to the overland. I think this is very brave, but very stupid of him. (laughs) Yeah. Because later we learn that the waterway is basically a giant underground lake, or even ocean size, and... He doesn't know this and doesn't ask anyone what exactly the waterway is. Yeah, he, I like I like how he's putting the pieces together, but he could have like put one more piece in there, Gregor. Right, <laughs> and it really would have helped him out. He kind of just goes into it blind, like anything could have happened. He could have just died on the waterway. Right, and then they're like, oop, where'd he go? Yeah, they never would have seen him again. Also, just <laughs> when, when you said the waterway has like... Entrances to the overworld, the first thing I thought was Ratatouille AU. (laughs) (laughs) Ratatouille, Remy emerges from the Underland. He's six feet tall. Into Paris. (laughs) Oh my god. Now I'm thinking about... (laughs) Now I'm thinking about a... AU where Rip Red is Remy mm-hmm. and he just wants to make shrimp and cream sauce. Mm-hmm. He just wants to learn how to cook. <laughs> anyone can cook. <laughs> that doesn't mean anyone should. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how his voice sounds. And Gregor is um, Linguini yes. in AU. Yes. <laughs> anyway, back to Gregor. Yes. <laughs> Gregor gets out of bed, gets boots in the backpack and grabs the lamp. His plan is to follow the sound of water from the bathrooms to the ground floor of the palace and find the river. It takes several hours of backtracking and hiding to avoid palace guards. When I was a kid, I always thought this was just so smart of him. Mm -hmm. The fact that he figured out that the water could be his guide out of the palace and then that he spent so long following it and finding bathrooms 
And right. Whenever he lost track of the water, he would go back and find it again. That's some real dedication. Yeah. And just the fact that that part of his escape alone is like hours. Yeah. I think when I was a kid, I just skipped over the fact that it takes him literal hours uh-huh. to get out of the palace because it's late at night when he starts. So it must be like early morning when he is getting to the river. Yeah. I guess he wouldn't like there's not sun, so he wouldn't know. Yeah. Eventually he finds the river. It's not wide, but it's deep and fast and powerful enough to carry large boulders. I want to know about that because I've never seen like any, even a small boulder being carried in a river. Yeah, wouldn't a boulder sink? Right. It's like, like it's not, they drink it. It's not like methane water or however that would work. But right. I'm just, I'm puzzled by this. It's regular water. It's just super fast and powerful, I guess. Gregor finds boats made out of some some kind of skin stretched over a frame that remind him of the canoes at camp. He takes a torch from the dock. The narration says, where he was going, light would be as important as air, which is kind of a nod to how we'll soon learn that the Underlanders use the word light to mean life. Oh yeah. He gets in a boat suspended by ropes above the river and uses a wheel attached to the dock to lower them into the water. As the river carries them away, Gregor sees Underlanders yelling at him from the dock. He uses an oar to deflect the boat off rocks and eventually washes ashore on a beach with a tunnel. He holds his torch in one hand and drags the boat across the sand with the other. I was so impressed by that. I'm like, what did they describe him getting out of the boat and keeping Boots asleep and holding the torch and dragging the boat? I'm like, bro. (laughs) Yeah. Just the fact that Boots is asleep this whole time. Yeah. Is astounding. First of all, just the strength and dexterity needed to deflect off the rocks right in the river that is heavy enough or whatever to carry boulders right that would be like a scene in a video game yeah i was exactly i was thinking about a video game where you kind of do that they they should make a video game out of gregor the overlander oh you're so right and the first bit is just try to escape the underland you're literally that would be so good like there's puzzles there's action yes Gregor keeps hearing his name in the distance behind him, so he speeds up until he runs into something warm and furry. He drops the torch and falls to the ground, and a monstrous rat steps into the light. Remy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, here we go. Yeah, that's the end of chapter seven. We're about to get into it. Yeah. Like, this is another kind of inciting incident right and i like how like in in english major stuff like how he doesn't just run into the rats he runs into them because he decides to escape and he's smart enough to escape but he's also desperate enough that he's not like hmm i should figure out what i'm escaping to and so then he has an encounter with the rats like and he doesn't even it's not like somebody's not like watch out there are rats here they are dangerous here's some more expositions it's like he tries to leave and he smacks into a rat and he's like that's not good right in some ways, he doomed himself by yeah. not getting all the information. Yeah. But also, it's like, it's understandable that he just want to get out of there and he can't trust the Underlanders yet. Yeah, exactly. And we'll get into it a little bit later, but the Underlanders definitely also had a hand in dooming him in this respect. Ooh, okay. Because they didn't tell him about the rats. That's true. What's that mean? Like, I warned you about the rats, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Homestuck meme. I I warned you about them stairs, bro. (laughs) So chapter eight begins with the rat saying, 
Ah, here you are at last. By your reek, we expected you ages ago. I see. So they're just waiting for him. That makes it even funnier that they just waited for him to like get all the way up the beach and bump right. into them. I assume that they can see him in the dark because they have their radar senses. Yeah. That's like when I'm like walking at night and Lowell's like running in front of me trying to <laughs> like break my neck or something. Uh, trying to stage a tragic accident in yes. the apartment. I did love how the whole conversation between the rats that follows is all in English purely to scare Gregor. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Like, if they just wanted to talk to each other, they could have used squeaks. Mm -hmm. But they're talking in English so that Gregor knows how afraid to be. That's so funny. Which is awesome and terrifying. They're just having a blast. They're just like, ooh, we're getting delivery tonight. (laughs) Yeah, they really are just having the time of their lives messing with him. So the rat who we learn is called Shed addresses another rat called Fanger. And I... Just be big. I love how, like, for a human, that would be like calling me Toother or something. (laughs) I will do an episode about the rats' names. Yes, okay. Because some of them seem to follow a specific naming convention, but others, like Shed and Fanger, are different. And I'm wondering if Suzanne Collins didn't come up with the naming convention in the first book yet, because later we learn. Rats' names like lap blood and twitch tip, and they're right. like compound words, rip red, but like shed is just ched. Yeah. Unless that's like a nickname and his full name is something else. Okay, that's what I want to believe, like shed blood. Yeah. Or something. What if his name is bloodshed? Yeah. They just call him shed. <laughs> <laughs> what if there are two rats named bloodshed and one goes by blood and one goes by shed? That's so funny. To differ- differentiate them. <laughs> the twins of the rat world. Yes. They barter over who gets to eat which overlander, reasoning that boots will be sweeter, but Gregor is bigger. As this is happening, we get a description of the rats. The narration says that they are purely terrifying. (laughs) It also says, sitting back on their haunches, they were a good six feet tall. Their limbs bulge with muscle under gray fur. And their incisors, meaning their very front teeth, are six inches long, which is... It's like the size of half your arm. That's pretty freaking long. Okay. Oh, yeah. On a tooth, that's long. That's intimidating. Just the fact that they are six feet tall, like, sitting back. Mm-hmm. But imagine that, like, leaping at you. Oh, no, I don't like that. And also the, the, like, I've never, I can't imagine muscle on a rat. I don't like the idea of visible muscles on a rat. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen some fan art where they really lean into the anthropomorphization of them uh-huh. and make the muscles very human-like, <laughs> like a human bodybuilder, but a rat. Mm-hmm. And it's so unnerving to me. <laughs> <laughs> Then we get this funny train of thought from Gregor about rats in New York City. (laughs) He says, Some people thought rats didn't eat people, but Gregor knew better. Even the regular-sized rats back home would attack a person if they were helpless. That's my favorite part, that he's just like, People don't know rats. I know rats are dangerous. I'm from New York. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he just brings his New York knowledge to it. He's Mm. like... Yeah, I know rats are dangerous. (laughs) I've seen a rat or two in my lifetime. (laughs) I know they can tear through human flesh. (laughs) 
Gregor gets to his feet and retrieves the torch, but keeps it down at his side. The rats talk about how they can smell what the Oberlanders had for dinner. And this is when Gregor realizes why the Regalians were so obsessed with how they smelled. He immediately wishes the Regalians would find him and decides to try and hold off the rats to give him time. Yes. The meaning of the expression about more time that Vicus and Luxa used clicks for him. He realizes that time just means life. Which is, it really says something about what the Underlander life is like, that that occurs to him as he's like trying to buy himself more time to live. When he's like, oh, I am about to die. That's when he's like, ah, they use time for life because they have a limited amount. Yes, (laughs) at all times. Gregor brushes off his clothes and tries to join in the wrath's banter, <laughs> asking, do I have any say in this? this New makes- York boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's got the attitude. Yeah. I feel like this is also a very Percy Jackson yeah, move. Yeah. Well, also from New York. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> My protagonists who are from New York. <laughs> the rats laugh and say they usually just get shrieks and whimpers from their victims. They ask how he's so brave that he's talking to them. Gregor says, I thought you might like to get to know your meal better. (laughs) The rats say they like him and argue about whether to keep him, but ultimately decide against it and go for the kill. Gregor slashes at them with his torch held in both hands like a sword. The rats see his face fully illuminated, and Fanger says, Mark you shed his shade. Shed replies, and he is but a boy. Think you he is... So here they're noticing how much he looks like his father. I just thought they meant that he looks like an overlander. Oh, shit. I think, yes, but I think that they already knew he was an overlander without seeing his not translucent skin. Uh But I think specifically seeing his skin and his face... They're realizing that he's the son of the guy they have kept prisoner. Nice. (laughs) They're just like, wow, what a coincidence, huh? (laughs) Right? Suddenly, a bat swoops in and knocks the rats to the ground, and it's Henry, Merith, and Perdita to the rescue. yes. They're all on their bats and wielding swords. They're struggling to avoid knocking into each other in the air, and the rats can leap very high. The narration says... Blood began to stain the beach, but Gregor couldn't tell whose it was. Which is very intense immediately. Yeah, true. This is kind of the first taste of how violent these books are going to get. Mm -hmm. Because this is only the beginning. This fight, compared to later fights (laughs) in the book, is very tame. And it's still terrifying. Henry yells at Gregor to flee. But he doesn't know where to go, and he doesn't want to leave the Underlanders when they're only here facing the rats because of him. Shed catches the wing of Merith's bat. I think we don't learn her name until a later book, but Merith's bat's name is Andromeda. Oh, yes. Okay, I know Andromeda. Perdita comes in to help. Fanger gets her bat, and she hits the cavern wall and gets knocked out. I don't think we ever learn Perdita's bat's name. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I just always think of her as, like, the dog from 101 Dalmatians. Is there a dog named Perdita? Yeah, it's it's Pongo and- I thought it was pronounced Perdita, but it's Pongo and Perdita. That's so funny. Right? I guess I just haven't seen that movie recently. No, it's- yeah. Well, we can pretend that Perdita's bat is speckled like a Dalmatian. Yes! Okay. So the narration says, 
Gregor didn't remember thinking of his next move. It just happened. Dun, dun, dun. I think this is the first hint of his rager powers. Right, because like we actually learn about it in the gym scene, right? Where he hits all the balls with the stick. Yeah, which yeah. is next book. Oh, I thought it was this book. Okay. No. Do we even know we meet Ripper in this book, right? Yes, okay. We do. Okay. Yeah. In a handful of chapters, we meet him, but the whole rager thing, like, mm-hmm. just does not get introduced until the second book, and we don't hear the word rager until much later in the second book. Nice. Yeah. Gregor jumps forward and thrusts his torch into Fanger's face, and the rat stumbles back onto Henry's sword and dies. Mm-hmm but he takes the sword down with him. This is when Boots finally wakes up (laughs) and starts crying, because she's just been asleep this entire time, Mm -hmm. somehow. We've got Merith and Andromeda, whose wing is hurt, Henry unarmed on Ares, Perdita unconscious and her bat hurt on the ground. Gregor stands over Perdita to protect her. Shed leaps up and grabs Andromeda by the feet, making her slam into the wall. Then Shed jumps toward Gregor, and at the last second, a blade juts through his throat. Yes! And it's Luxa on Aurora! I love that. And she's flying completely upside down to stab Shed. She's just the best. She's so impressive all the time. (laughs) It's like we see her in the the first scene, it's like, wow, she's so show-offy. Then we see her in the scene, it's like, oh, she needs to be able to do that. Yeah, you're so right. She shows off how acrobatic she is, and we think it's just to show off and play this ball game. Mm -hmm. But then we realize she's using these skills to fight. Right. So Shed, as he's dying, says, Overlander, we hunt you to the last rat. Raw. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously raw for some last words. (laughs) Henry lands, pushes Gregor out onto the beach, and grabs Perdita. He orders them to scorch the land. Merith retrieves the swords from out of the rats' bodies, drags the rats into the river, and grabs Gregor and Boots so they can all hop back on Andromeda. Aurora grabs Perdita's injured bat with her claws. Luxa smashes the oil lamp from the boat on the ground, and Merith tells Gregor to drop the torch, so he does, and the beach bursts into flame. Nice. And I assume that's like to hide the smell of what happened? I think, yeah. I think they're trying to cover up the fact that there was a fight. Uh Uh-huh. And they don't want the rest of the rats to know that the humans killed some rats. Yeah. I think later it's revealed that Shed and Fanger's bodies are found in the river. Oh, nice. And that's what starts the war. Chekhov's rat corpses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was chapter eight. That's kind of our first bit of action. Yeah, and it's, I always, whenever I'm trying to write an action scene, it's so hard to just write like, this thing happened, then this thing happened, this person moves like this, this caused this to happen, and I'm always in awe of when somebody can like do that and also have like the dramatic timing to to like, like I can see the part where Gregor's about to get eaten by the rat and then Luxo just stabs it through the back of the neck. Like that's, that's sick. Yeah. How did she do that? It's so cinematic. You can picture it perfectly. There's a lot happening at once, but you never get too lost and you never get bored. Right. Sometimes in 
fight scenes in books, I'll just kind of skim over it. Mm-hmm. Right, because I'm like, I don't know what all this means. Right, like, all I need to know is who's dead at the end. <laughs> but in these books, it's so interesting. She manages to write it so well. I'm sure that helps her with for Hunger Games later. Right, which has a lot of killing. <laughs> I think Gregor still has more killing. For real? It. Yeah. That's really funny. <clears throat> Maybe not counting Mockingjay, because that's like, a war kind of breaks out in that. Yeah. But I feel like Gregor kills more people than Katniss does. Or kills more rats. Kills more rats. Well, in the sense that, like, they're, they're sentient beings and he feels guilt about their deaths. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he kills more people than Katniss. That's a really, that's really funny, because Katniss is like this hardened warrior. It's like, oh, her killing has changed who she is. She's like, strange. She's, like, broken now. And Gregor's just like, well, I'm 12 years old. I guess I'm... <laughs> I guess I'm just going back to school. <laughs> right. He doesn't... I mean, I. it's been a while since I've read The Hunger Games, mm-hmm. but I do remember Katniss kind of just shutting down. Yeah. And being very despondent. Especially in Mockingjay, where... Yeah. Yeah. But Gregor kind of just has to keep going. That's... Yeah, he doesn't... We don't really see him. Well, he has the time between the books to recover, but we don't ever see mm-hmm. him inactive for a long period of time during the books. Right. So maybe maybe during the school period, he's just having his Mockingjay moment of like, just like <laughs> being in a room. I think you're right. Oh, I think you're right. When he goes back to school, everyone's Jesus like, yo, Christ. what happened to Gregor? He's like, my dad's back, guys. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so chapter nine starts with them all flying back to regalia over the river. Gregor is relieved to be safe from the rats, but he's immediately terrified of flying on a wounded (laughs) bat because of his fear of heights. I forget. Oh, right. And he fell down that hole, too. It's rough for Gregor. He keeps having to confront his fear of heights (laughs) in these books. Which is really funny because they're underground. You'd think there would be, like, the least heights underground. I know, right? (laughs) You'd think that that would... Fulfill a different phobia. Right. But. No, he's cool with that. Yeah, strangely enough, there's more fear of heights than fear of buried alive in this. That's so interesting, I guess. I mean, maybe the Underlanders are just so used to it by now. They're like, if they went into the surface world, they'd be like, what the fuck? Are you guys not scared of this vast expanse of sky? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> there's one part, I think it's in the fourth book when Luke's, uh, they're talking about they need to go deeper underground mm-hmm. to go under the river. I remember that part when they're on, when they're in that. I was like, oh, I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. and Luxa says that she's nervous about being so far underground, and Gregor is thinking, like, you're already underground. <laughs> <laughs> so Gregor thinks about how sorry he is about what happened on the beach, and he knows the Underlanders warned him about danger, But no one specifically mentioned rats, (laughs) except for the cockroaches, when Temp said rat bad. Right. Which makes you wonder, are they hiding it from him deliberately? Mm Mm-hmm. There are people waiting on the dock back under the palace to take Perdita and her wounded bat. They try to take Merith on a stretcher, but he insists on helping carry Andromeda inside. <laughs> He's a strong, brave action hero. He does not need medical treatment. I love Merith. <laughs> oh, he's the best. He is. I, re- I remember liking him. Gregor sits on the dock for a while before Merith comes back and yells at him to get up. Merith ties Gregor's hands behind his back, and he gets marched up a lot of stairs to a room with a table and a fireplace. 
two guards are set to watch him. Boots asks if they can go home, but at least she's in her apparently waterproof backpack. (laughs) Gregor is soaked in river water and, quote, shivering from the wind and the horror of what he'd witnessed, of what he'd taken part in. (laughs) It's just so intense. Yeah, and and that, that... They're not just like, their reaction isn't like, oh, this kid wants to go home like kids do. They're like, this guy's a war criminal now. Yeah! (laughs) We better bring him, tie him up and bring him to the war criminal room. Yeah, he's dangerous and we need to tie him up. They really just tied up an 11-year-old. Right. That's a while. They're like, okay, the baby, the baby seems harmless, but watch out for her. Yeah, she's on thin ice. (laughs) Gregor is thinking about how if Perdita, her bat, or Merith's bat die, it'll be his fault. God. Which is so heavy. And on some level, he's right, but that's also not his fault. Right. And he shouldn't be taking on guilt because of that. Right. But it it feels like he's already so familiar with, like, when he's responsible for Boots, when he's home taking care of his grandma, he's already so familiar with, like, being responsible for people that, of course, he would be like, Oh, this is my fault, too. Yeah. Luxa storms in and slaps Gregor for exactly that reason, which makes Boots upset. She tells <laughs> Luxa no hitting, because that's a rule in their house. Vicus comes in, chastises Luxa for hitting Gregor, and asks if the rats are dead. Luxa gives him the details on what happened, and Vicus tells her, The council is not pleased. Which is when Gregor realizes Luxa is also in trouble because she wasn't supposed to be there. Which makes, because at first it's like, why does she have this dramatic backup moment? But it's like, oh, because she had to run away from her grandpa. Right. <laughs> she had to come in later so no one would, would see her leaving. Vicus asks if Gregor fought or fled and Luxa admits that he fought. But not well. Yes, she <laughs> says not well. Vicus admits that he has courage and tells the guards to free Gregor's hands. Vicus orders the kids to the table, and they sit as far from each other as possible. (laughs) Gregor gets Boots out of the backpack and puts her in his lap, thinking, I guess after tonight, Boots won't think the whole world is her friend. Which makes him sad, but he figures she had to find out at some point. Oh, which is so sad. So sad. There's a whole recurring motif of Boots finding out more and more about how evil the world can be. Right. And there are all these learning moments throughout the books where Boots has to learn about danger or about death. And Gregor is always so sad about that. Mm -hmm. But he always thinks, well, she had to find out at some point. Yeah. It just sucks that it just sucks that she has to find out in these terrifying circumstances. Yeah, true. When it's not like, oh, sometimes your hamster dies. It's like sometimes a rat gets hacked to death. And <laughs> Right, in front of your very eyes. <laughs> Vicus reads Gregor's expression and sums up his feelings on the whole ordeal. He recognizes that Gregor is angry at having been kept against his will and not having been warned about the rats. He also acknowledges that Gregor is worried and feels sorry about the others getting hurt. He also says Luxa shouldn't have hit him, but he tells Gregor, Your fight invited horrible death to those she loved. This is greatly felt by her, as both her parents were killed by rats. Side note, 
Vicus is talking about his daughter. Oh my god. I did Luke's mom is Vicus's daughter. That's really interesting that he chooses to reveal to Gregor that, like, oh, this is Luke's deep, dark secret and just doesn't put himself out there. Yeah, yeah. He's putting Luke's bullshit out there. Or not bullshit. Right. <laughs> Luke's <laughs> bullshit dead parents. <laughs> He's putting Luke's deep, dark, dark secrets out right. there without involving himself because he wants them to like connect to do whatever warrior shit needs to happen yeah and vicus is like i'm not part of this like i'm just a <laughs> objective observer right of this luxa gets upset that vicus told gregor about her parents and in his head gregor agrees he has no right to hear it vicus tells them he said it because he thinks gregor lacks a father gregor asks how he knows that and Vicus pulls out a key ring with a braided loop of red, black, and blue leather on it and asks if he recognizes it. Gregor recognizes it as the keychain he made at summer camp for his father. And that's how we end Act 1, The Fall. Nice. I wonder, how, do we, how does Vicus know who the key ring belongs to? Does he suspect? Does he have some other way of suspecting? I think he met Gregor's dad. Okay. Oh, okay, they look the same. And he's like, but he needs to do his reveal. Or I guess he needs proof that Gregor's dad is down there. He can't just be like, hey, we have your dad. Well, I think that Vicus, on some level, is trying to not give Gregor false hope. When right. Vicus first sees Gregor, I think Vicus knows right away. Gregor is his dad's son and that Gregor is the warrior from the prophecies. Oh, fun. And everything after that is Vicus conspiring to keep Gregor in the Underland so he can fulfill the prophecies. That makes so much sense. And I love that, like, Gregor might have snuck out on his own, but also maybe Vicus said, let the boy go. Let's see what happens. And like, oh my God, I would buy that. mm -hmm. Or just like, like he wouldn't even tell anybody that he did that. He just like leaves some key thing so that Gregor like will be like, why are there boats left on that? Right. Doc, I don't know. Why aren't there more guards outside his room? Right. Yeah. You know, I would totally buy that. I think that would be some Vicus shit to mm-hmm. pull. I love that, like, he also gets his thing of, like, oh, he's just a sweet old mentor. He's just being so nice, even though Gregor has to be the warrior. It's like, hang on, who says that Gregor has to be the warrior? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Vicus is like, oh, it sucks. You have to be part of these prophecies, <laughs> but we are going to make you fulfill all of these prophecies. <laughs> And and he like dangles the keychain in front of Gregor, like like making him guess what's happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like theoretically, he could say, "This is your father's. We met him. We don't know if he's alive, but he's definitely down here." But instead, he's just like, "Imagine the possibilities, son." Right? Yeah. When they first meet, Vicus could have straight up just been like, "Hey, you look a lot like this guy that I met." Right. And. He might still be down here with the rats who are evil, by the way, (laughs) and just lay it all out for him. But he doesn't say any of that. Right. He deliberately feeds Gregor the information piece by piece so that Gregor is kind of hooked in. Yeah, he's like invested in the Underland and escaping and he even feels like he owes these people for saving him. Right. Oh, you're so right. Like, I don't think Vicus actually orchestrated Uh Gregor's escape. Yeah, that would be a little too much. But he is taking advantage of the fact that Gregor now is kind of indebted to them for saving his life. Right. 
and he's manipulating his emotions by saying like Luke's parents died from right. being killed by rats and now your dad might be killed by rats like isn't that doesn't that suck so bad <laughs> yeah I think this time around reading this Vicus has just seemed so sinister to me mm-hmm. not purposefully evil or whatever right but I think Vicus is definitely manipulating information so that Gregor can't make an informed decision yeah like he he knows what needs to happen it's for the greater good but like yeah yeah according to him yeah yeah any other thoughts for these three chapters man I'm trying to think I still think it's really funny that Gregor just like has an estimation of the danger of rats because he's from New York (laughs) he's ready to believe the rats are evil he's not even waiting around to find out he's like oh man giant rats that can't be good that can't be good (laughs) this is just like when I'm taking the subway I oh go ahead. I I like that they have instead of being like oh we have this cold spring and then we heat it up to get hot water they just have a hot and cold spring. I think that's very fun. Yeah, I'm infinitely fascinated by how the underland works mm-hmm. in the way like how does regalia work? Right. How do they get their food and their water? And we get little bits of it later throughout the book series. But one thing that's fun for me whenever I'm reading this is I just like. I'm always like, wait, how much light is there in this scene? Because I always imagine, like, it's fully lit. Or now that I've read it more, I imagine, like, okay, it's kind of dark. But, like, in the fight scene on the beach, like, I think the only person who has a light is Gregor with his torch. Because the bat people could probably get there with echolocation. And they also don't have anything to drop. You're right. I think the torch is the only source of light. And the humans are just fighting in the dark. Right. Which is wild. And it's just like, and then when they when they go back, is are they completely in the dark? Like when Gregor goes out in the boat, how is he steering this boat and like keeping his light up and paddling with the oars? It's just like everything is happening and it's so fucking dark. It's like, yeah, it's like, what's some movie that's come out recently where everything's dark? It's like a Batman movie or something. I don't know. It's like the opposite of I saw. I saw some Tumblr post about, look how well they did the lighting in Lord of the Rings. And now that's how I like imagine Gregor. It's like, okay, you can see everything, but it's just like kind of blue. I've seen that exact post. Nice. Um, it's like, it doesn't matter where the source of light is. We do need to be able to see right. uh, Orlando Bloom's beautiful face. <laughs> At all times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I read these books as a kid, I never thought about how dark it is all the time. Mm-hmm. I always just pictured the scenes fully lit. Right, that's my thing. But then I'm like, no, wait, no, it's not. I gotta flip the light switch yeah they really are in darkness for a lot of this i think the one it messed me up for most was when they're in the forest and i'm like how are they in the forest but it's dark how are how do they do that yeah yeah i think in in that book they say that there are, are lights coming from like the water okay in the, in the jungle there's like little volcano things happening oh, in the water that give off like ambient light but lava even, lamp, lava lamp. <laughs> yeah literally even that is like super dark right that would freak me out yeah yeah in the jungle and not being able to see anything can't wait to get to that book mm-hmm. with my sweet sweet hamnet hamnet my sweet sweet hazard oh yes but yeah in these chapters we still haven't met aries right and we don't even we don't even know yet we like, don't know about him or what his deal is because he didn't come to dinner with the Underlanders. Uh-huh. So we don't, we haven't even heard Ares' name yet. And we're about to start act two. 
also Aurora hasn't spoken at all. Mm-hmm. We've learned Aurora's name, but she doesn't have... I'm not sure that she has any speaking lines in this book. Do we even know yet that the bats can talk? Have they? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they talked at dinner. Oh, nice. Vicus's bat Euripides. Oh, right. Said hello to Gregor. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. those were chapters seven, eight, and nine. Nice. Next week, we are going to do 10 and 11 and start out act two, the quest. Nice. Is there, are there five acts in this? Three acts. Okay. Oh, three acts. That's another structure. Yes, that is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, next chapters, we're going to get some prophecy. Yes. We're going to get some quest stuff. But yeah, that's it for this week. Uh, follow us on Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram at Return to Regalia. Email us at return to regalia at gmail.com. Throw bricks through our window at <laughs> <and> our address. <laughs> and follow me to work and cut off my head. <laughs> You can do that to Nate. Leave me out of (laughs) it. (laughs) But until next time, fly you high. Fly you high.